No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome back to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we'll see where the Lord gives Moses instructions for receiving an offering and making a sanctuary where he can dwell with his people. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Exodus chapter 25 on Simply the Bible. Relationship. What image does that word call to mind to you? Your relationship with your spouse? with your children, with a friend. As humans, we thrive on good relationships and bad relationships, they're like rottenness in the bones. God chose the nation of Israel and brought them out of the bondage of Egypt and into the desert of Sinai. Why? To enter into a relationship with them. The covenant he made and the laws he gave were all about relationship. But relationship cannot exist without fellowship. A place was needed where God in his holiness could meet with man in his sinfulness. That place was called the sanctuary, and more specifically, the tabernacle. Beginning in Exodus 25, God gave Moses the instructions for how to build it. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, You shall take my offering, and this is the offering which you shall take from them, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen and goat's hair, ram skins dyed red, badger skins, and acacia wood, oil for the light, and spices for the anointing oil, and for the sweet incense, onyx stones, and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. Out in the middle of the desert, God desired to be worshipped by his people in a sanctuary, a special place. From the outside, it would look like a tent, but it was no ordinary tent, and there would be no ordinary furnishings inside. Only the finest materials would be used. Where would these precious materials come from? Well, before they left Egypt, God told them to ask their Egyptian neighbors for articles of gold, silver, and clothing, and the Egyptians freely gave them. This was their back pay for all the years of slavery. God could have demanded offerings from his people as just payment for delivering them from slavery, or he could have made it a taxation for public works, as when our government taxes us to pay for roads. But that isn't how God wanted to do it. The Lord wanted each person to give willingly from his heart. That is always the way the Lord wants his people to give, for he loves a cheerful giver. We should never give because we are coerced or manipulated. If you give under those circumstances, you will feel ripped off and you're not very happy about it. God doesn't want that kind of giving. He would rather have a person not give anything than to give it begrudgingly or with a griping attitude. I can tell you that there is nothing more exciting than when my wife gives to me just because she loves me. And God wants our gifts to him to come from a willing heart of love. Verse 8, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. When Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, the Lord met with them in the cool of the day. How wonderful that fellowship must have been. 
Then came the fall, when sin separated man from God. But God still desired to dwell with man. Now here it was, some 2,500 years later, and God said, let them make me a sanctuary so I may dwell among them. This would be known as the tabernacle. My first introduction to the tabernacle was when I was about 13 years old. My grandfather was an artist who, along with my grandmother, oversaw their Sunday school department. He had built a scale model of the tabernacle. I thought it looked cool, but I knew nothing about it. The tabernacle was a tent and as such was designed to be portable and temporary. As the children of Israel traveled through the wilderness, it would travel along with them. Later, Solomon built the temple as a more permanent structure, and he placed the furnishings of the tabernacle in it. It is interesting that when we come to the New Testament, we read in John 1.14 about Jesus, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Greek word that is translated dwelt literally means lived in a tent. As Yahweh dwelt in a tent in the wilderness, so Jesus dwelt for 33 years in the tent of his body. He was here only temporarily. Before he ascended into heaven, he told his disciples that it was to their advantage for him to leave because when he left, he would send the Holy Spirit who would be with them always. Now, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us permanently. God's age-old desire to dwell with man is now fulfilled in all who trust in Jesus Christ. And we can meet him wherever and whenever we want. Verse 9. According to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. The Lord would show Moses the exact pattern for the tabernacle. We read in Hebrews 8, 5 that everything in the tabernacle was a copy of heavenly things. As there is an Ark of the Covenant in heaven, so there was an Ark of the Covenant in the most holy place within the tabernacle. As cherubim surround the throne of God in heaven, so they would surround the mercy seat where God would dwell with the people. As there are seven spirits before the throne of God, so there was the seven-lamped lampstand in the holy place. As we look at the tabernacle with all its furnishings, we have a virtual window into heaven. Moreover, we see that everything points to Jesus because no one comes to the Father except through him. Verse 10, And they shall make an ark of acacia wood, two and a half cubits shall be its length a cubit and a half its width, and a cubit and a half its height. And you shall overlay it with pure gold inside and out. You shall overlay it and shall make on it a molding of gold all around. As God gives the instructions for construction, he begins from his perspective within the most holy place and then works outward. The Ark of the Covenant was really a wooden box covered with gold. A cubit was the distance from the elbow to the tip of the middle finger, or roughly 18 inches. So the ark was 3 foot 9 inches long by 2 foot 3 inches wide and 2 foot 3 inches high. 
the wood speaks of Christ's humanity. The gold speaks of his divinity. The molding of gold all around points to his crown. You shall cast four rings of gold for it and put them in its four corners. Two rings shall be on one side and two rings on the other side. You shall make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. You shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark that the ark may be carried by them. The poles shall be in the rings of the ark. They shall not be taken from it. Because everything in the tabernacle had to be easily carried, each piece of furniture came equipped with rings and poles. When it came time to move the ark, Aaron and his sons would spread a blue cloth over the top of it before the sons of Kohath, a son of Levi, would pick it up by the poles and move it. In this way, no one ever saw the ark except Aaron and his sons. Verse 16, And you shall put into the ark the testimony which I will give you. It was the ark of the covenant, and the covenant was represented by the Ten Commandments on the two stone tablets. These would be placed inside the ark as would be the jar of manna that the Lord told Moses to save in chapter 16. Later, Aaron's budding rod would be added, showing that God had chosen Aaron and his sons to be the high priests. All three items relate to Christ. He fulfills the law. He is the bread of life. He is our high priest. Together, they are the testimony of who Christ is to us. Verse 17. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two and a half cubits shall be its length and a cubit and a half its width. And you shall make two cherubim of gold of hammered work. You shall make them at the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub at one end and the other cherub at the other end. You shall make the cherubim at the two ends of it of one piece with the mercy seat. And the cherubim shall stretch out their wings above, covering the mercy seat with their wings. And they shall face one another. The faces of the cherubim shall be toward the mercy seat. You shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark. And in the ark, you shall put the testimony that I will give you. So the mercy seat was really the lid of the box. And it was made of solid gold. It measured three foot, nine inches long by two foot, three inches wide. On both ends were two cherubim of hammered gold, all from the same piece, facing each other and looking down as though to observe the contents within. Their wings were stretched out, covering the entire mercy seat. It was over the mercy seat between the cherubim where the Lord would appear in the cloud. I love the fact that he was seated on mercy and that this covered the law. The law brought conviction, condemnation, and judgment because of man's failure to keep it. But God covers over these with his mercy. I am reminded of the words of James, mercy triumphs over judgment. Once a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would sprinkle the blood of the sin offerings on the mercy seat. This would cover the sins of the priest and the people, but it could not completely remove them. This pointed to the better sacrifice that would come when the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world would be our sin offering. The term mercy seat also means propitiation. 
This signifies the removal of wrath by the offering of the gift. Speaking of Jesus, the Apostle John tells us, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. So we see that the mercy seat points to the work Christ did for us in offering his own blood to turn away God's wrath from us for our violations of the law. And there I will meet with you and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are on the ark of the testimony about everything which I will give you in commandment to the children of Israel. I am so glad that the Lord speaks to us from the seat of mercy. Aren't you? He wants to speak to you about everything that is important to you. He sent his only son into the world not to condemn you, but to save you and to give you free access into his presence. He gives the Holy Spirit to dwell in you and to guide you in the way so that you're never alone. If you are trusting in Jesus Christ, then whenever God looks at you, he sees the blood of Christ cleansing you from all sin. He wants to meet with you. The way is open. Will you come into the most holy place? That is the way to encounter God in genuine relationship. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. They meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at Pepperidge Elementary School in Boise. Also, to listen to any of Pastor Daryl's teachings or to find out more about the church, go to their website at calvarytv.org. We'd really love to hear from you. Tomorrow, we'll continue our study of the tabernacle as God gives Moses instructions for building the table for showbread and the gold lampstand. We hope you'll join us as we continue in Exodus on Simply the Bible. 